0: It's the Doctor Who
1: podcast, but the moment has been prepared for.
2: Alright, this is the Doctor Who podcast, this is episode 28, the Pandora has opened, everything is revealed, my goodness we're in for a really exciting time, and for our listeners, you might not know, this is the 30 second high energy intro, now I'm going to tell these boys how to pad out an intro to 30 seconds, because no one this whole time we've been on the show has done it. So we're going to be talking about the Pandorica Opens. Tom, James and myself, we're going to be pulling it apart, dissecting it. Is it amazing? Is it pants? Well, let's find out.
0: Hello there. Yes, as Trevor said, welcome to episode 28 of the Doctor Who podcast and welcome to the longest pre-credit sequence that the Doctor Who podcast has had as well. Didn't you get the impression there, Tom, that Trevor was just blathering and blathering and blathering?
2: (laughs) It's the frustrated editor inside of me that sits there every week and listens to that 30-second high-energy intro and goes, that's not 30 seconds long. And then when I heard Marty's last week that was barely 10, (laughs) something just erupted inside of me and said, no more. That's it. It has to stop here
0: as you can tell dear listener trev is back from his holiday and (laughs) he's full of energy and it's just as well that the longest pre-credit sequence for us marries up with the longest pre-credit sequence that we've seen so far in the matt smith series so welcome to our discussion of the pandorica opens
3: Guys, you, you're going to have to help me out here because I can't get too close to the microphone because I'm too busy doing a Tom was right dance. <laughs>
2: oh, really? Yeah. Tell me how right you are supposedly, Tom. Come on. Wow.
3: Well, okay. Not wanting to be too smug about it and rub your noses in it. But well, I think I need to be a bit smug and rub your noses in it. Um, I just had a quick listen back to the end of episode 26 when you guys say, What's in the Pandorica? And I say, The Doctor. And Marty says, The Doctor. And I then go on to explain about how I think the Doctor's visiting his own timeline. I have a little bit of a tweak to do with that. But um, yeah, excuse me a second. Yay! <laughs> Trevor in a bikini! James Louis <laughs>
2: You're still wrong, Tom. You are still wrong. That is cheating by saying the doctor is in. Absolutely, the, Pandorica. the doctor was put in the Pentadorka. Uh, 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 that is uh-huh. cheating, and it is not a win. And,
0: and do you know what the more con- the, the more concerning thing is here is that Tom sounded so pleased that he was going to see. Trevor in a bikini and me and Shammy Lever. He sounded more excited about that than he has been about the episode, which (laughs) scares me, quite frankly.
3: We can talk about that in a moment, but as I say, they call me Onion Boy, they call me Tom, they call me Correct, they call you... Arrested for indecent exposure. How next are you year.
0: correct then, Tom? How, just, just how are you correct? I don't, <sighs> re- I don't remember a particular scene where the doctor thinks, "Oh, I must take a trip back along my." Bed. Let me just grab my jacket, and I need to remind Amy of something. I must have missed that particular sequence.
3: <laughs> okay, okay. So here's the thing: if you're fighting it, even when you're on the ground then okay that's cool that's cool i found the costumes for you it's all good let's not dwell on the on the total rightness that actually on my side and go go on to discuss the episode about which
2: i was right that's right i was right you were wrong I'm going to come at this from the other end. I'm going to come at this from The Confidential, where we see Mr. Stephen Moffat, executive producer of the current Doctor Who incarnation, sitting in a very comfy chair looking smug and saying, Episode 12 is where we get all the answers to what's happened in the rest of the season. No, we don't, Mr. Moffat, because... While this episode holds so much incredible promise for episode 13, which I think is called The Big Bang or something like that, there's still so many things left unanswered in this episode and so many questions raised out of this one that it's really, really difficult to form a real concrete opinion of – whether I like this episode or not, one of the things that really struck me was I, I have a very, very dear friend here in Brisbane who's been involved with or was involved with the local fan club for many years. He wrote this story, which was much derided at, at the time when when he was very, very young. He wrote this story about all the Doctor's enemies joining together to fight the Doctor because they realised that the only way they were going to get ahead was defeating the Doctor. And I sent him a little text message saying, oh, they've nicked your story, David. And he just replied back and went, oh, yay, how exciting. I'm not really sure where to go with this at the moment because, again, it's that awful syndrome of, well, I'd like to see how the second part pans out first.
0: But you must have an opinion, presumably, of this 45, 46 minute episode in its own right, though.
2: Yeah. I have an opinion of it that it seems like it's going to be a wonderful build-up to hopefully a non-RTD season finale. I wasn't that happy with mm. um, every new series enemy bar the kitchen sink there at the end with the slow pan by of the camera and them looking all mournful and sad. And that's even something my nine-year-old son picked up on. He was sitting there watching the camera pan by the Cybermen and you know the Sontarans and they're all looking sad and wistful and... Even the Dalek looked like it was about to shed a tear. And Aaron just turned <laughs> to me and went, why is the Cyberman so sad, Daddy? And <laughs> I'm, I'm totally rambling here because it's, it's really difficult for me, for me to form that opinion. So I thought there was lots of really fascinating stuff leading up to it. I thought they handled reasonably cleverly the whole thing with planting a message in time that, that the Doctor would eventually see at some point. I, I thought that was quite nice. Yeah, I'm I'm going to stop talking because I I really need to hear what you guys have to say.
3: Well, um, that was a Doctor Who fan's dream, I would have thought. How do you make the Cybermen scary again? Like that. How do you make the Doctor interesting again? Like that. How do you sort out the pacing of a a TV family show on a Saturday night in the face of the World Cup? Like that. That is exactly what you want if you're a Doctor Who fan, I think. It was long on setup. it was a little bit low on story, mostly because, uh, well... I think we all knew what was going to be in the Pandorica, the Doctor. Oh, sorry, not everybody. Uh, There's a couple of people who didn't know. Um, But that was fantastic. Halfway through, I mean, I was looking at the clock. Uh, Well, not not, not deliberately, but when the Cyberman suddenly became a headless, lumbering Frankenstein beast designed to terrify children again after 20 years, thank goodness. I was absolutely, not ecstatic, but I just had this stupid sloppy grin on my face. The head of a Cyberman opens. There's a skull inside it. The skull falls out. It tries to bite Amy's head. It's fantastic. It's Doctor Who. I am happy beyond words. It
2: was a great episode. I agree. I agree. I thought that scene was fantastic, but I was watching it and going, hmm... They seem to be padding out the forty-five minutes here a little bit because they definitely want to end on that shot of the Pandorica. Mm. So I think maybe at some point they realise, oh, we've got ten minutes to fill in here. Mm. Let's have the Cybermen attack Amy and the Doctor because that did. While it was a fantastic scene, it did seem a little um, fillerish.
3: Mm. I'm happy with filler. It's not. I've never heard of John Perwe before. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 so yeah i I thought it was fabulous. It was really, really great. Um I thought the reintroduction of Rory was appropriate. The twist inside that could not have been seen coming, and it just kept getting better and better, and better, she said Zygons, and then there were autons. and then it all went a bit 12 monkeys, the only thing I'm a bit concerned about, which I think I mentioned to James a couple of episodes ago, is I'm absolutely fed up now with that sonic screwdriver being a magic wand, but apart from that, that was how Doctor Who is supposed to be made, Um, I do believe that what we've got coming towards us is a giant reset, as well. And as I'm sure you both know, there is something very important that needs to be reset and addressed before we go too much further in Doctor Who mythology. But mm. if I'm thinking about that episode on its own. Uh, Russell T Davis never wrote Finer. That's fantastic.
2: Tom, I want to change just a little bit of one of your last sentences. It bugs me when people talk about season finales like this being what Doctor Who is all about. This is what new Doctor Who is all about. It's not about what the classic series is about. I'm, I'm all on board for them having a big classic finale but please don't lump 26 years of Doctor Who into these massive kitchen sink finales because not all of Doctor Who is about that.
3: Well you say that but surely each, even in the classics, Who, uh, the story arc is the story of that particular Doctor. All that's happening is that the rhythm of Doctor Who is responding to the need of the, of the 21st century which is that the arc needs to be a bit shorter and refer to a single season. I do understand what you mean but I think back to uh, things like sharda and uh, Legopolis. I mean obviously it falls, it falls by the wayside when you think of things like the King's Demons but even um, the thing what followed the King's Demons was the Five Doctors um, so I do, I do understand what you mean uh, I think that Doctor Who is a storytelling medium is responding to the needs of the 21st century and just telling a bigger story on a shorter scale but what you're saying is not I was going to say unright that would be wrong
2: I did something with Doctor Who That I haven't done for a long time And I think I really needed to with this one I watched it twice in one day Because I watched the first time And a lot of it You know for the first time Probably since Matt Smith Jumped onto our screens It washed over me I sort of went, oh my goodness, this whole episode is just falling all over me and I needed to watch it a second time. And I also did another thing I haven't done for a long time is I watched the accompanying Confidential on the same day. So I've had a really big Doctor Who day here. Okay. Um, it's really fascinating that a lot of the stuff that I missed the first time around, I, I picked up the second time because one of the main questions I had the first time around was, Just where the heck did the Nestines get Amy's memories from? And specifically, where did the Nestine get Amy's memories of Rory from? And I missed some bit of gobbledygook about haunted houses that apparently the can can feed the psychic energy from. Yeah. That apparently because Amy was there on the 26th of June that the house stored her psychic imprint or something so therefore it could pick up Amy's memories. That's one thing that bugged me the first time around. I thought, well... How do the Nestine know about Rory if they've picked from Amy's memories? And how do they do it so quickly when as soon as they stepped out of the TARDIS, there was the imaginary Roman campsite?
3: Now, but the, is the point not that the Nestine invented Rory and Ledworth? I mean, that's one of the big questions. It seems like that whole world was built around her. And this goes back to something that's in uh, the 11th hour. That's a duck pond. How do you know it's a duck pond? It's just a duck pond. How can you tell it's a duck pond? There's no ducks on it. It could be that that whole world is just constructed inside Amy's head.
2: Are you saying Rory is an entirely fictitious character? Yes, I am. Just not someone who was real and then removed from time?
3: Yes, I am. That would explain the problem with the medical pass being from 1990, whatever it is. One of the things which I'm absolutely convinced about now and will not back down from is that nothing, nothing in this season has been accidental. Why is it a duck pond? There's no ducks. How can you tell? All the weirdy little mistakes are not the mistakes. They're not correct because Amy wasn't paying attention. The whole thing's been constructed inside her head.
2: I still don't understand this. I understood the whole bit with the Van Gogh painting and it having the coordinates to then get to River, to then get to the Doctor. But I don't understand the other side of the equation. I understand the enemies getting together and wanting to stop the universe exploding by putting the Doctor in the Pandorica, right? I get that. But how did they know he was going to be in Roman times. How did they know he he was going to be there? They had the sentry there in the form of a sideman waiting for the Doctor to turn up on the off chance that he might turn up in Roman times.
3: I'm not Stephen Moffat, I can't tell you, but I can just feel it all coming together. Uh, Rory, I don't think Rory ever existed. That's all I can tell you. James? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the episode from last night? Because all I've got so far is
2: me and Trev arguing. Yeah, sorry, James, I really had to get it out of my system, mate. There's just so much about this I had to just let free.
0: It's been absolutely fantastic just sitting here listening. It's like listening to a live raw Reddit of a podcast. It's great. So, um, but in answer to your question, I thought it was all right. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't think it was absolutely fantastic. I I, I did enjoy it. Um, first of all, a couple of things that I want to get off my chest, I think. Um, first of all, there is nothing in the Pandorica. People have been asking, what's in the Pandorica, what's in the Pandorica? Well, we saw it open last night, and what was in there? Nothing. <laughs> it was absolutely the nothing. They No, no, they put the doctor in. That's like saying... You know, we have a box here, and there's nothing in the box. However, we're going to put an apple in the box. Therefore, an apple has always been in the box. It doesn't make any sense. The Pandorica was constructed to put the Doctor in. But until this point in time, or the last couple of minutes of last night's episode, there was nothing in the Pandorica. So, I mean, that's that's unequivocal. Oh. <laughs> All Secondly, right, Tom.
2: <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, I'll, I'll, I'll just quickly ask. Tom, tell me yeah. what the Pandorica is then. Why are they putting the Doctor in the Pandorica when why don't they just kill him?
3: Oh, for the same reason they haven't done it for the last 46 years. it would be too easy. Um, the Pandorica is a prison. The only thing I'm not convinced about is that the Doctor may be Prisoner Zero, which has been re- re- um raised on a couple of forums, because he's clearly a prisoner. That didn't look like a comfy chair with a TV and some cake around it, did it? It looked like a prison chair. The Pandorica is a prison. It opens, in goes the prisoner, it closes. The only thing which I think I was wrong about was the fact that River Song may well be the Doctor in the TARDIS, because she is a Doctor and she's in the TARDIS.
2: I understood the as a prison, that it it looks like it's going to be something that will hold the Doctor for eternity, or until his regeneration's run out, or whatever happens. But I really don't understand this. I mean, sure, we've had the whole thing with this Invincible Doctor built up that Daleks quake in their boots if they had them in in fear of the man. But the combined enemies of the universe have him at their mercy why doesn't just someone pull out one of their rather large guns that they all seem to be carrying, especially the Sidemen who seem to have acquired this huge R- RPG? Why don't they just shoot the guy and say, OK, we've solved the problem?
3: Because this is Doctor Who and nobody really dies.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I think it could be a case of shooting a Doctor is just too simple, not in story terms, but actually within the context of the story um, Removing the Doctor or just killing the Doctor doesn't seem to fit well within the story arc, and the story arc is all about whether or not something exists or whether it doesn't. And I think Tom may be onto something um, in terms of a reset, um, mm-hmm. not just within the context of the Doctor running out of regenerations, but I think whether or not Morpheus trying to reset a significant amount of what we've already seen from two thousand and five onwards. Um, is, is up for debate and we don't know yet but i think if you to stick the doctor in a particular or a storm cage I, I can't quite remember what they referred to the Pandora as or maybe i'm confusing that with riversong's prisoner i can't remember but there's clearly a reason as to why the doctor cannot be killed and i think that will be explained next week and i don't think it's as simple as just saying well you know they never killed a doctor because that would be the end of the programme. Moffat is a better writer than
1: that. Um,
0: One one thing I thought about this particular episode is that it was a story, and this is the first story that we've had as a season finale as opposed to a comic book resolution. And I I saw The Stolen Earth um, probably about two or three weeks ago, and I enjoyed that at the time, but I think that was because of the event that the finale represented. And there was lots of returning companions and so on, and I was continually hit by a wow, that person's returned, or that person's returned. But when you watch it and your adrenaline levels are normal, that's a really poor episode. <laughs> and you, you, you can just watch it on, um, you know, in the same way that you would read a comic book. You just see frame after frame after frame. This was not like that. The pacing was completely different to anything else that we've seen in a Russell T Davis finale. I, I love the whole. Indiana Jones feel to it um, yeah, and, and yeah, there yeah. wasn't very much an, an archaeologist kind of feel to it. Definitely.
2: Murray Gold, you have a lot to answer for. There, there was a fantastic <laughs> bit in The Confidential where the director talked about how he used um, some of John Williams' music from Indiana Jones, piped onto the set. Oh really? Yeah, and, and they and they mocked up the scene and they played some John Williams music over the top. Now, this is what they used for that. Playback! Sure. Now, this is Murray Gold's interpretation of the master, John Williams. It's a Pandora card. I mean... No comparison whatsoever. Hmm. Murray Gold, you have a lot to answer for, mate. You could have taken a few more leaves out of Mr. Williams' books. But anyway, James, please carry on.
0: (laughs) No, no, that's fine. I mean, I hadn't actually noticed the music, and I think we've said in the past, if you don't notice the music, then it's doing quite a good job. Mm. And I I just found the whole atmosphere quite creepy, a little bit Temple of Doomish, or perhaps the opening sequence to Raiders. And clearly, I haven't seen the Confidential, and I've only seen the actual episode once and that was in the early hours of this morning. Um, so uh, I, I may have missed a few things. Um, the, the biggest problem I had, well, I had two major problems, one of which you've already touched on, Trev, about two hours ago, I think it was now, um, <laughs> when we <were> talking, <laughs> when, uh, when you were talking about the Alliance. I think it was a little bit unconvincing. I didn't pick up on the fact that they all looked melancholic. I think this is the first time we've seen them as, as, as a genuine union and I think I had difficulty accepting... That Daleks, yeah, Cybermen, yeah. jadun I mean, jadun who, quite frankly, aren't really enemies of the Doctor. They've never been presented as enemies. They've just been presented in the same way Ogons were, you know. They were gun for hire, and yet they were there. And Silurians, again, you know, it just seems a little bit... That was the only kitchen sink element for me. In Overall, I wasn't too sure whether this this episode is pure genius, as uh, as, as Tommy is advocating, really, or just... Absolute bloody insanity. Uh, I, I, I can't <laughs> quite make my mind up. Um, I did enjoy it. I think Rory's return is... Well, I, unfortunately, it was incredibly predictable, and it doesn't matter what kind of plot device they've used to orchestrate his return, he is back. Um, I absolutely ad- the way the Doctor responded to him back. He just didn't notice. Yeah, perfect. And, and, and perfect. the line, how have you been... I have to admit I was killing myself laughing, I thought that was fantastic i um, I do have a problem if Rory dies for a third time this series because i can 't help i can 't help being reminded of south park do either of you two watch South Park or have you seen I know south where
2: you're going though yes
0: yeah you know it's oh
3: my
2: God, they killed Rory, yeah
3: absolutely
0: and i I thought that at um when he died in what was it cold blood, I think mm. it was. Mm. And I was thinking, if they bring him back, then they can't kill him again, surely, because it's just far too much repetition. Um, There's been many, many comparisons drawn between Rory and Mickey, and they kind of cemented it this time around, because the very first episode, Mickey appears, oh, he turns into an Auton. What did Rory do last night?
2: Ah, there you go. That's interesting,
3: yeah. He'd always been an Auton. He'd always been an Auton. That's Um, what I don't understand,
2: Tom, because for me that would then, the Nestians would have to have time travel because why would they have an Auton with Amy as a boyfriend-girlfriend thing for many, many years? What is the purpose of that? Why did they do it? Ask me in a week. Oh, and I bet we still won't have an answer.
0: Uh, I'm inclined (laughs) to think Tommy's right. On this occasion, I do think Rory probably is a fiction. And the main reason for me thinking that is because Riversong found the book all about Roman legionaries, and there was a drawing of Rory.
2: There was the book there which had the uh, legionnaire captain or whatever he was, but the photo we saw of Rory was with Amy in their, uh, what do you call it, si- uh, strippogram, singergram costume. So whether they've gone to a party mm-hmm. with that or whether... Rory has done a bit of work, or maybe that's where he met her, perhaps. I don't think Rory was in the actual book.
0: I think he was. Um, again, I'm not sure, but I think the, the picture book did have Rory as a Roman legionary in it. And the, the other thing, which I will concede to Tom that I think he was right in, in, all the way back in episode one, the 11th hour, the Doctor in the TARDIS, which I didn't give a significant amount of credence to at the time, is clearly referring to River Song. It's got nothing to do with the Doctor.
2: Prisoner Zero said it to the Doctor.
0: Which actually just reinforces how right you were, Tom, because it was said on at least two occasions then. Um, (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to give Tom a little bit of credit when he's due, but um, I I think his kind of Snoopy dance at the beginning of the uh, episode was exceptionally premature. (laughs) <laughs> but we shall, we shall wait and see uh, the, the opening, it was the, it was the longest pre-credit sequence that we've seen It was seven and a half minutes um, And mm. we, we we revisited Vincent van Gogh So I said that wrong again I'm yep. destined to send Van Gogh wrong completely um, We visited <laughs> Winston Churchill We visited um, Liz Ten the queen. again Yeah, brilliant, the queen, she was amazing yeah, yeah. you seem to like that character in The Beast Below. I just think she's an awful chavvy queen. The scene where, and again, it was a very, very brief scene, where everyone was running right at the beginning, I'm absolutely certain was a rehash, or it was a location that we've seen several occasions. It's beneath the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, and we've seen it in The Runaway mm. Bride. We saw it in Eccleston's first series as well. So they do seem to be... Reusing locations without making much effort to try and make them different when they've appeared in other episodes.
2: To me, one of the things that I think is really going to be covered in the Big Bang, and the only reason I'm saying this is because of its reasonable absence from this episode in pretty much any way, shape, or form, is the crack. Because I thought, well, we're getting all these wonderful explanations. But what about the crack? That seems to have been forgotten. We saw a little bit in the TARDIS with with the uh, screen being cracked but it it seems to me like it's all going to be happening in the next episode that the crack is going to be used as a way of maybe explaining a lot of things that we're talking about here.
3: But There's a question you're not asking. Who was the voice that kept on saying silence will fall? I thought that was it sounded to me like Davros. It could be anything. There's so much stuff been thrown up in the air from all of this it's clear that there was footage and story elements filmed at the end of every episode to feed into the finale because Liz 10 and Alex Kingston were not on the same set when they were recording the things that we saw last night oh, yeah. so I think there is still further reference to the previous episodes to come next week and as I said the, the only thing in which I was sitting there thinking who's
0: that? Who is saying silence will fall in that sinister way? Mm. Um, w- well, this 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 was my point. I think it sounds like the Grask. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm oh, sure. Wow. <laughs> 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 because I don't I don't think we're going to see the Grask in Doctor Who full time because it's very much a red button or a Sarah Jane Adventures kind of monster. But the voice mm. was very Grask like. I thought. Okay, we like that. We like that. <laughs> your, your reference um, to other flashbacks of other episodes. Did you not notice the only story that wasn't flashed back to was the two part Stephen Moffat Weeping Angels episode, which oh, is where of no, course no, we have no, no, this no. big don't
2: don't feed Tom any things. No, no. Because he's gonna talk about that scene. No, with no, the what jacket. I'm what
0: I'm saying, it actually reinforces our position here, Trev, because it clearly wasn't addressed as to whether or not that was a continuity error. And I, I'm I have to say that I am thinking, well perhaps it may well have been a particular you know, deliberate act now, but it still hasn't been addressed. And if it's addressed next week, then, yeah, we'll let Tom do another dance. But I think that was the only episode, uh, or those two episodes, Time of Angels and um, the other one, which I forget the name of now. Thank you very much. Um, Which weren't actually flashback to or referenced again. I was
2: thinking that when I was watching it, but we're going to be seeing an undocumented feature of the Pandorica while the Doctor is in it, that somehow he's going to travel back in time and he's going to be wearing his jacket and he's going to be standing next to Amy telling her that it's all right and we're going to be wearing chamois leather at uh, Galley 22 next year. I really hope it doesn't (gasps) happen, but if it's going to be anywhere, I think it's going to be something... I'm sure we're going to get some really interesting scenes with the Doctor in the Pandorica and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to develop with that because... To, to me, it seems like he's going to spend quite a while in there and something's going to happen to him in there. Hmm.
0: No, I, I think you're right. And I, I think whatever happens, it's clearly not the end of the Doctor. He's able to use the technology of the Pandorica to do something. And I can't believe... I mean, we had a bit of a discussion um, about what's going to happen at the end of episode 13 last time when we had Marty and David on. And I was wondering whether or not there was going to be a cliffhanger to episode 13 or whether or not everything is going to be you know neatly wrapped up and addressed and i think episode 12 has gone some way to addressing a lot of the questions that had been raised in previous episodes amy once again failed to impress me 25 minutes in and all she'd done just watched what was going Mm. on she didn't do anything. Uh, the minute River Song came into the story, that was it. She was the companion. And Amy just seems like a tourist. And I, I, I can't remember any companion in the past, particularly when, allegedly, they're going to be so intrinsic to the resolution of this series, who has done so little and looked so disinterested. It took a severed cyber head to wake her up, I thought.
2: It's kind of unfortunate that since she's lost her memory, um, that She, her whole purpose in the story. I mean, she, her whole importance to Doctor Who is being steadily eroded as the season has gone along. At the beginning, we we were all praising her, even on this show, about being a really headstrong, fantastic companion. She knew what she wanted, when she wanted it, and how she wanted it. Then Rory came into the picture, and it was all fluttering eyes and oh my goodness, here's a ring. Then he was gone. Um, Rory was forgotten, so therefore she'd been eroded to a point that she wasn't headstrong anymore, she didn't have someone to fawn over, so like you're saying, James, she didn't really have much to do. And then they put Riversong in this story, who is what Amy should be, and Amy just gets to stand around waving flaming torches around and pretty much nothing else.
0: I mean, for, wait, for someone waving flaming torches, I think she does it quite well. Um, But (laughs) there wasn't really anything for her to get her teeth into. And perhaps I'm missing the point somewhat. Perhaps that is the point, that there isn't really much of a point to Amy or that she is some kind of temporal anomaly uh, that needs to be rectified. But I would say, I mean, we're 12 out of 13 episodes through now. And I did start off by being really convinced about Amy's character, certainly in The beats Below. By the end of be- The beats Below, I was really quite keen on the you know the way she was developing, but since then, I've been utterly, utterly unimpressed in the way which The Companion's been used this season. Mm.
2: I I think even, we're, we're having the same problem we had during the RTD era, that the finale has so much to live up to, and I mean, I love Stephen Moffat to bits, I, I, this has been a great season, but I don't think everything's going to get explained, and... I'm I'm even just thinking now while we're talking about that scene at the end of Flesh and Stone where the Doctor sees what date it is and goes, ah, I need to fix you and Rory right now. It has to happen right now. And that, to me, doesn't meld anywhere in with Rory being an Auton at all. <laughs> I mean, what I'm trying to say is Stephen Moffat's got so much to explain in what is presumably a 45-minute finale that yeah. I don't think he's going to do it's, it. There are bits that it, we're going to be talking about this time next week that we're going to be going, well, that doesn't make sense. What's the reason for this? Um,
3: okay, there's a couple of things inside all of that. Um, the, the finale is going to be a little bit longer. I think it's just over an hour that it'll be on for. Right, uh, right. But also, what we've got is we've got one of the best writers the country has to offer writing best-loved family drama that the country has to offer. It will all be resolved, it will be fantastic, and you will look brilliant in a little blue (laughs) bikini. (laughs) I thought that the Doctor was an incredibly interesting characterisation this week. He veered between being a frightened chap to being Patrick Troughton out and out, to being a drunken Scotsman shouting at the sky in the middle of Stonehenge. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. What
2: was that? I mean, (laughs) I mean, they were saying during the uh, confidential that Matt Smith had his Wembley Stadium moment when he was standing on that rock in Stonehenge. And (laughs) when I watched it the second time, because we know how the story pans out now in that episode, him sitting there crowing about saying, I've found it, it's mine, ha ha, I win, you lose... All I could think of was all the Daleks and the Cybermen sitting in their spaceship going, uh-huh, you think? Oh, yeah? Really? Because they knew what the what, what the Pandorica really was. The 11th Doctor was totally deluded in that speech, but it's built up as this huge, and again with Murray Gold in the background, huge heroic moment. You know, the Doctor's winning. Yeah, stuff you, Daleks, stuff you, Cybermen. I'm winning. But no, he's not. Hello!
1: the universe but bad news everyone
3: because guess who it's sent you lot you're all
1: whizzing about it's really very distracting could you all just stay still a minute because i am
3: talking now the question of the hour is who's got pandorica Answer, I do. Next question. Who's coming to take it from? Come on! Look at me! No plan, no backup, no weapons worth a damn. Oh, and something else I don't have. Anything to lose. So, if you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship with all your silly little goats, and you've got any plans on taking the Pandorica tonight, just remember who's standing in your way. Remember! Every black day I ever stopped you, and then,
0: and then, do the smart thing.
3: Let somebody else try first.
0: I, I'm not so sure, I mean I, I I, think he wanted to buy himself some time, that was what was stated in the script, he wanted half an hour or something, uh, which was almost exactly half an hour from the end of the episode actually and I yep, think yep, 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 yep. I think those monsters, the Dalek, the Cybermen all the others, have been defeated by the Doctor on a number of occasions, irrespective of how convincing a Doctor is when he starts shouting, and I don't think Matt Smith was any more convincing than Sylvester McCoy was in Survival last night but no. I think perhaps they, they did think, <laughs> well why can't we just take a little bit of time, let's go and have a chat, as it turned out because they were an alliance and then they returned, so I did buy it, and if you look back over the history of Doctor Who, I mean, it's almost an in-joke, is that the Doctor obviously always wins, no matter how dire the situation, um, no matter how cataclysmic you name you know, the title of the episode. Russell T. Davis names his last two episodes The End of Time, but it wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's probably right that the Doctor's adversaries or his enemies do take time to regroup, before they carry out their master plan, and you know it's still going to fail because we know the Doctor's coming back <laughs> next year anyway. So it's just another way of addressing oh. what we've seen several occasions. You've ruined before. episode
2: thirteen for me, James. The Doctor's going to win. <laughs> that that qualifies as a spoiler. Come on.
0: Well, I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Okay, well, there's a couple of things I wanted to draw your attention to. Um, have you guys seen a film called Twelve Monkeys? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Right, so do you notice the uh, the similarity between the end of Twelve Monkeys and the end of this episode, i.e. the orchestral music, the slow motion, the overlapping of time, which is my point? In Twelve Monkeys, it was an internal time loop going on there. I think that's what's going on with the Doctor. Um, but aside from that, there are two, two other things. This whole thing struck me as being very Troughton. Um, I loved the way the Doctor addressed Amy's memory of Rory.
0: As it turns out, he's fictional. But I loved the way that he addressed that. (laughs) Uh, I love this, Tom lives in his land of fiction as well Tom, you should start writing
3: <laughs> Onion boy, onion boy is back <laughs> boy. Um, yeah, uh, But I, I, was, I was very much put in mind of the of episode one of two of the Cybermen When Victoria says to him, do you not have any family? And he makes that speech about, yes I have my family, I can visit them when I like But mostly they sleep in my mind Uh, Which is a very beautiful thing, and I thought that was that that kind of echoed the way he was referring to Rory in the ring in a very circular way.
1: So,
2: are you proposing to someone? I'm sorry? I found this in your pocket.
1: No, no, no,
3: that's a memory. A friend of mine, someone I lost.
1: Would you mind? It's weird, I feel. I don't know, something.
3: People fall out of the world sometimes, but they, they always leave traces. The little things we can't quite account for. Faces in photographs, luggage,
1: half eaten meals. Rings. You miss him very much, don't you? It's only when I close my eyes, I can still see him standing there before those horrible dark creatures came to the house. He was a very kind man. I shall never forget him. Never. No, of course you won't. But, you know, the memory of him won't always be a sad one. I think it will. You can't understand being so ancient. Eh? I mean old. Oh. You probably can't remember your family. Oh, yes, I can when I want to. And that's the point, really. I have to really want to, to bring them back in front of my eyes. The rest of the time they they sleep in my mind, and I forget. And so will you. Oh, yes, you will. You'll find there's so much else to think about, to remember. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I did think Rory was very ten,
3: though, in that whole I don't want to go speech, which was very much David Tennant's last few words. I don't know, I don't know if you have an opinion about that. Yeah, he...
0: I, no, I I thought that as well. Exactly the same dialogue, and you know, I, it, which is weird because he's an exceptionally undoctory character. He's the most unconvincing Roman legionary I have <laughs> ever seen, and he's, he's just quite frankly an extremely wet character who I've never engaged with. So I haven't been too bothered on any of his three deaths. I do hope in a way he has a much more fundamental role to play in terms of plot and I think it's clear that he is, you know, going to play an important part in episode 13. But I I don't like his character either. You were talking about, you know, Matt Smith channeling Patrick Troughton again mm. here and I have to say this is the first episode that I have watched this season where I didn't get any of the previous doctors. Uh, coming through for me Um, there were a couple of scenes that were reminiscent of previous doctors this was Matt Smith's characterization and Matt Mm. Smith's characterization alone it was a slightly toned down version of what we saw in the lodger last week and I think this is the kind of characterization we are going to see next year because Matt Smith seems very very comfortable Mm. in his shoes now there 's one thing I would like to ask your opinion on, and it, it, this is going to seem slightly incongruous given the context of the conversation we 're having at the moment, but it is an important question. We opened right at the very beginning, seeing Vincent van Gogh in one of his really bad fits, having you know he was rolling around on his bed, screaming mm. because of this particular painting mm. now uh, there was a piece of feedback that I read out during the fan reaction episode to um Vincent and a doctor and we kind of derided it a little bit and they were saying well is the doctor actually responsible for Vincent van Gogh committing suicide mm. and i think that question needs to be answered because looking at the opening scene if we don't see Vincent again then Doctor Who is postulating that the reason Vincent committed suicide was because he saw an exploding target in his mind. If Mm. I
2: can give you my opinion for that, because, I mean, I I wasn't with you that week. I was enjoying the uh, sun-drenched beaches of somewhere or other, apparently. Um, (laughs) Brisbane. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, Brisbane is famous for its beaches. Um, (laughs) I did get that impression, not due to the painting we saw this week, but back when we saw the episode, because when they took Vincent to, to modern day to the gallery, and showed him, I thought, my God, what an irresponsible thing to do. That is going to explode his mind. Not only is he travelling into the distant future where people carry around iPod-type video things and and he's looking at them in wonder before he even steps in the museum, (laughs) then he goes into sensory overload where we have Bill Nye saying what a wonderful but dead artist he is. Um, To me, that seemed incredibly irresponsible and and I wish I'd been there that, that week to say it because to me... Him seeing all that work there while the episode tried to build it up as a life-affirming, wonderful moment, maybe for Amy more than Vincent van Gogh, I think, to to be perfectly honest. For van Gogh, it to me, I think it would slide him more into the abyss.
0: I think you're right, Trev. Um, I've heard it on a few other podcasts now that if someone is showing the early signs of madness or depression or bipolar disorder or whatever it was that Vincent was suffering from, the thing that is absolutely certain to send him spiralling into the depth of his insanity really is oh. a trip in the TARDIS. <laughs> that's let let alone seeing his his own future. And I think last night's scene was interesting again because it just shows how much of an effect the doctor's actions actually had on Van Gogh. And if we are led to believe that the person with Van Gogh at the time was his doctor, then we're looking yes. at a point in his life very close to when he took his own life. Yes. And I yes. think that's quite an overt reference there to saying the doctor was fundamental in Van Gogh's demise.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've had personal experience with this type of thing, especially the, the condition we saw Van Gogh in in the Pandorica Opens, that the last thing you do is you don't overwhelm their senses. You need to calm them down. You need to be totally flatlined with them and let them bring themselves down naturally, rather than saying, calm down, calm down. It's all going to be good. Calm down, calm down. Um, I don't think Doctor Who will ever admit that they're doing this. But I think Doctor Who is saying that the 11th Doctor contributed heavily to the uh, suicide of Van Gogh, definitely.
3: No, I totally disagree. Um, Why? What, what you have is you have Vincent Van Gogh been driven insane by the Quality of life around him by the sheer vibrance of the universe that he already existed within. I do understand what you're saying, in in, in as much as the doc, you're, you're postulating that a trip in the TARDIS and exposure to the Doctor and Amy somehow pushed him over the edge but I think it would be fundamentally inappropriate. It's always too soon to talk about the circumstances around someone's death and sort of making it into into an entertainment would be phenomenally inappropriate.
2: No, 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 no. I I don't think Doctor Who is doing that because I I don't think Doctor Who is saying that it's responsible for it. I think we're extrapolating from that. And you're talking about quality of life and and the richness of the world around him. Mm -hmm. The Doctor then upped that, tenfold mm. by taking him to a time that was even more beautiful more bountiful for the man mm. and mm. can you honestly say that him crying mm. during that scene is not a sensory overload it's 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 a way for the human body to cope with the abundance of emotions that are flowing from someone That that's why people cry, that's why babies cry because they're overwhelmed with the emotions that they're presented with whether they're positive or negative and it's a way for the body to release them. Mm.
3: I, I understand what you're saying. I just think that we're maybe extrapolating. It's a, unusual for me to say this, but I think we're maybe taking a, placing a little bit too much of interpretation on what was going on there. Vincent van Gogh, van Gogh sorry, was a genius, and his way of interpreting the world was to paint. Uh, I'm not sure that the production team are saying in any way that the doctor was responsible for his eventual suicide. No. That, was, that, that was coming.
0: Oh, no. I, I don't think that they were saying that. I think it's a very reasonable judgment to make when you see, you know, how much the doctor has had an influence on Van Gogh's life and I, although I said yeah, I think this scene is very close to when Van Gogh did take his own life mm. there was actually a picture of the sunflowers uh, in the same room mm. um, and he hadn't yet written for Amy on it so it wasn't a case of wow. Van Gogh getting out of bed and um, jumping good. out of a window that is or something. That's really good. Yes, um, brilliant. But <laughs> at, at some point, he must have gone back and made that little inscription. So, you know, I've been listening to Tom's advice. I'm paying attention.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, that's phenomenal. Brilliant. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's interesting, though, that like we're, we're, we're saying, the production team isn't trying to say that Doctor Who's responsible for the suicide. It's interesting that that episode didn't as far as we can see have any direct reference to the crack. That we did yeah. make maybe a mention yeah. that maybe one of the tree branches was shaped in the shape of a crack or something. <laughs> but that wow. there was no direct in your face reference to the crack in Vincent and the Doctor, which which I think is kind of telling. Yeah. One thing I I would like to discuss um, is Amy. We really haven't talked about the death in inverted commas of Amy.
3: Mm, 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 mm. This 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 entire season has been replete with strong women, and that is. Absolutely borne out by yesterday's episode, River Song, strong woman driving the action, uh, Liz Ten, strong woman driving the action. And Amy, although it seems that she's being passive, is, I th- well, th- my, you know my theory, which is that it's she's fundamental to all this because she's making it all happen in a way. Um, it was quite... F- sad shocking almost but we think the thing is the edge is taken off it by the fact that she was being held by the ghost of a dead boyfriend
2: You know, <laughs> yeah I mean I if if Rory's back then I have no doubt that episode 13 will see Amy back because the doctor wasn't there <laughs> mm. it was only Rory and I think even with the emphasis they placed on her death it was still done in a very very trivial way It wasn't done in a, oh, this is the end for the companion type of way. She'll be back.
0: Exactly. And and by virtue of the fact that we're discussing it 50 minutes into this recording, clearly it means it's not at the forefront of our thoughts about this episode, Mm. which I think is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, she seems to have been shot by a potentially fictional boyfriend in fantasy land but <laughs> we know karen gillan has been signed up for the christmas special and for series six so she will be back so i i think in all honesty after killing off rory three times or two and a half times <laughs> i think they would be really hard pushed to get us to take the death of a companion seriously at this stage so might be a little bit half-hearted perhaps
2: You know what disappointed me about the roll call of uh, past enemies Hmm. was that they went through all these fantastic lists of enemies but we saw (laughs) nothing previous to 2005, that we didn't see the Dravens, Teroleptils, Zygon. I thought, maybe put one in the background, see like a sucker of a Zygon in the background or something. But Well, maybe they will
0: next week. Maybe they will next week. I hope so. I really do
2: because... It was interesting that they ended their roll call of aliens with the Draconians, and I thought, oh, brilliant. If that's any creature that, that they're going to bring back, Draconians, I think, would, would be a fantastic fit for the new series. Oh, yeah. Um, no,
0: I, I agree with you. My only concern is that I think the old Draconian design is far too similar to the new Silurian design. Yeah, true. And, true. You know, so you'd have to have um, a vastly different Draconian as well but yeah it would it, it's good that there's been so many references to the classic series throughout all of series five and you know that's that that's included flashbacks to the first and second doctor mm. I, i'd like to see that actually play a more fundamental part in the story and i know tom's been postulating that that will happen and if the doctor is in the pandora it's all 11 or 12 doctors or all the Doctors from you know all points in time. And if that's the case, then they have got a lot to play with in the last 60 minutes or so next week. But mm. in, in terms of what's actually going to happen next week, at this point in previous seasons, at the end of episode 12 or at the end of the penultimate episode... I've usually had a rough idea of how I think it's going to be resolved and it's mainly because I've known Russell T Davis is going to be in charge <laughs> but this time this time and I'm not saying Russell T Davis is predictable he's not but I think there are times when you you can say there's going to be you know a brand new set of words invented by Russell T Davis and they're going to be key to the solution Um, Whereas with Stephen Moffat, I think he will actually write a nice, neat, tidy ending to it. And I think we'll have to go back and unpick various things. The same as we've done with this episode, to be honest with you. I mean, we still don't know why River Song was in prison. And at what point in time was she in prison? Because we saw her taken away at the end of Flesh and Stone to go into another prison, I believe. I think she was going to be incarcerated again. Mm. And yet... The events of the Pandorica opens are set prior to Flesh and Stone, so this is the second time Riversong's been put in prison, and that hasn't been addressed unless I've misunderstood it massively. So that that was the other thing which I have to admit I'd forgotten about until this point. It kind of undermines events here because we know Flesh and Stone is set in Riversong's timeline after the finale. Yes. <laughs> so we know things are. We we know the end of the universe is not going to come about. We know. Do that. we? You. Yeah, if we, there's, we've got.
2: No, no, no. If, we don't know if there's that. one thing we've learned this season that that time is fluid, we've, we've moved beyond the tenant nonsense of fixed points in time. Um, we've we've learned this season that even the Matt Smith doctor has said, oh, time is not fixed. Things can change as a result of the actions that we do right here, right now. He said I,
0: that some things can change. Some he, things, he yes. I mean, he, yeah. he's,
2: he's never stated, and I think it would be impossible to state, that River Song is a fixed point in time. Um,
0: no 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 he hasn't but that would mean if that was the case and a doctor didn't take part in any of the events of flesh and stone that that two-parter has been deleted from existence
3: (laughs) no it doesn't the crack is from an explosion of the TARDIS apparently which resonates outward up and down backwards and forwards through time so regardless of when it happens the evidence of it will show up where it can show up anywhere
0: in that case then then the Doctor and Amy missed a real opportunity at the end of Flesh and Stone because they should have asked River Song what happened at the Pandorica and they should have insisted <laughs> or at least read her diary rather than just have this get-out clause saying, spoilers, spoilers. Oh, well, I mean, the, the <laughs> River
2: Song is smart enough to know and the Doctor is definitely smart enough to know that having knowledge of your own future is dangerous and they know the game works with regards to time travel because River Song's learned how to do it And the Doctor knows, because he's a Time Lord, um, that they can't have that sort of knowledge at all.
3: Well, quite. The Doctor knows what's going to happen to River. He knows how she dies or ceases to exist in that universe. And he knew that years ago. But he's choosing not to tell her because it's, as Trevor rightly says, it's dangerous for her to know. Um, Mm. I've I've, I've just got to get this one tiny thing in. I, I saw what I interpreted as a reference to... Destiny of the Daleks yesterday
2: oh wow oh boy oh Terry Malloy eat your heart out oh my goodness <laughs> alright it, it
3: was it, it was when um, River opened, the, opened the, the TARDIS doors and it was just a load of rocks I was, all I heard was Tom Baker's voice going oh look rocks ha <laughs> <laughs>
0: We want to hear what you think about the Pandorica Opens. Now, we we know that there must be an incredible amount of theory going on on the internet. In fact, I think most of the internet was broken last night through so many people trying (laughs) to post their opinions on what's actually going to happen in the final episode, Was trying to be predicted so much. But please do try and get your theories into us reasonably soon this time, because we want to do a fan reaction episode Fairly early, and we'd love to feature your opinions. That's MP3s only, please, to feedback at the Doctor Who com. Try and focus on what's going to happen in episode 13 this time rather than reviewing episode 12. We we want to hear these theories, and if you get it right, then we'll revisit it at a later point when we do a whole season five wrap up. And uh, we'll we'll certainly say how wonderful those of you are who actually managed to predict something correct, and we'll completely (laughs) deride those of you who get things wrong. (laughs) as we will with Tom after the end of episode 13 (laughs) next week
2: We'll just add something slight to that, that those guys and gals out there who have their iPhones, we're really enjoying all the feedback you're sending via the uh, iPhone function that lets you record your voice and post it to us. So please keep doing that, but mainly MP3s, but I know the iPhones can't do that sort of newfangled technology, so please keep sending it in the way you've been sending it because you guys out there with your iPhones, you've, you've been sending in some fantastic feedback, so, so please keep it coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely.
0: Absolutely. I'd, I'd like to just make one further appeal for feedback. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had some feedback from some very young listeners to the Doctor Who podcast. Yes, I think, yes. Uh, the girl who sent in her feedback was seven or eight years old, something like that. And and personally, um, because we don't always, or we're not always able to comment on audio feedback when we actually record the episode it features in. Uh, we don't get a chance really to address it. But I want to know whether or not it's too scary for you. I want to know whether you think this is a better version of Doctor Who than Russell T. Davis, Doctor Who so if you're below 10 years of age please try it, badger get your parents, get your older brother, sister whoever knows how to make these audio recordings and I'm probably doing you a massive disservice there because you probably show your parents (laughs) how to do these recordings (laughs) but um, if you can get your thoughts down, keep it to a couple of minutes, no more than a couple of minutes and send it to feedback at the Doctor Who podcast, we'd really love to hear your thoughts about this particular episode and what's going to be happening in episode 13. Excellent.
2: Well, the the email link's on the site. Marty will tell you all about at the end of the episode in in his little outro, but, uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. My goodness, we've talked for a long time today, guys. We really have.
0: Marty, over to you. Bye, guys.
2: Bye-bye, all. See you next time on the show. Take it easy. That
0: was the Doctor Who podcast. Which you can find at the Doctor If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at the Doctor You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. Tom, do, would, would you like to come up with a completely um, improvised little song about how right you are?
3: Um, hang on a minute. Let's have a look.
0: No, no. needs oh. to be now. Okay, hang on.
3: Hang
2: on, hang on. <laughs> no pressure. No,
3: <Dumbly laughs> Well, I'm so right, but you're so wrong. Because the Doctor Who is on. Because I'm so right, and you're so wrong. <laughs> You're going to look so good with that shaman leather on. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say apart from Trev. Why on the earth haven't we got Tom doing our musical interludes rather than oh, using those Tom, terrible, depressing ha- season 18
2: accents? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you have to have the guitar ready for every episode from
0: now on. That would be <laughs>